It is 739, Talk Radio 790 KBC on La La Land Day, the 25th day of April. We are here until 10 o'clock this morning, and now would be an excellent time for you to call 800-222-KABC and win a pair of tickets to see the great Billy Joel at Dodger Stadium on May 13th. Join Leanne and I, Randy at uh, Chavez Ravine with the Piano Man. Yeah, in the front row. Well, Mm. not necessarily the front row, but if you win the tickets today... You will be in the running for an upgrade to tickets in the fourth row. Oh, cool. I'll take fourth row, too. That's great. You just stay right over there and read the news. <laughs> well, maybe whoever wins those wants to invite you. Oh, that would be fantastic. So happy dialing, folks. Go grab them tickets. And we'll be doing that all day long through Peter Tilden's show. Dr. Drew will be with us in the 8 o'clock hour. Jillian John. Uh, and, of course, we'll do it tomorrow and Friday as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ann Coulter was invited to speak up at Berkeley and then was disinvited because the school said they couldn't promise that it could be done uh, safely. Bernie Sanders has weighed in on this. Bernie Bro has uh, spoken, and Senator Bernie Sanders spoke out yesterday in condemnation of the security threats that led to Berkeley canceling Ann Coulter's planned speech. Uh, he wrote, obviously Ann Coulter's outrageous, to my mind, off the wall. But, you know, people have a right to give their two cents worth, give a speech without fear of violence and intimidation. If you can't ask Ann Coulter in a polite way questions which expose the weakness of her arguments, if all you can do is boo or shut her down or prevent her from coming, what does that tell the world? And bravo to wow, Bernie Sanders. Wow, congratulations. A, that's my boy Bernie. He's 100% correct, of yes. course. Yes. And uh, Good for him for speaking out. Bill Maher went off on them, too. And, you know, he did their commencement address this year. Well, of course, Bill and Ann have been friends for years, and they've tried to shut him down. And this is the problem. Uh, we've discussed this a thousand times. It's an issue that's uh, an epidemic in America, is that now uh, folks just want to censor. They want to shut down speech that they don't like. And this is very dangerous stuff we're flirting with here. Let's talk about it from a legal perspective. And here is our very own Royal Oaks. Good morning, Mr. Oaks. Hey, good morning, Doug. Yep. Well, you know, I've got some cognitive dissonance going here because that really made so much sense. I know. Bernie said that. And here I was so committed to Elizabeth Warren in, in 2020. <laughs> and now I, I'm thinking maybe it's got to be Bernie. It's got to be Bernie back again. Definitely. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny that, that he is injected in this because his name kind of answers uh, what Berkeley has done. So Ann Coulter is going to speak up in Berkeley. And, of course, there has there have been violent episodes. And, and it's a real concern. And so everybody says, okay, we've got to move her around. And so they decide they're going to move her to dead week when nobody's on campus because everybody's off studying for exams. They're, they're putting her in the middle of the day in a science hall, which isn't really in the central campus area. Basically, you know, she's underwater, outer space. Nobody's going to see her. And so the, the Republican student group has sued. Unfortunately, the lawsuit is dead on arrival because it seeks an injunction, meaning an order forcing the college to do something, namely change her scheduling around. Judges are very careful about issuing injunctions. You've got to have irreparable injury. It can't just be money damages. And there isn't any irreparable injury here. Essentially, the Republican kids said, hey, we're spending twenty grand on Ann, and nobody is going to be in the audience. And, well, okay, so you get your twenty grand. So they're not going to get an injunction. But the good news for the folks who sued, I think, is that this is exposing uh, sort of the hypocrisy. Uh, the mayor and the cops in Berkeley got together, Doug, and they said, mm, 
high-profile speakers are only going to be in the daytime. It's just too dangerous. Well, this brings us back to Bernie. Do you really think that if Bernie Sanders, definitely a high-profile speaker, if he shows up on the Berkeley campus, everybody's going to get the willies and say, oh, my gosh, we've got to put him in the, in the science lab in the middle of the day? No, they're going to put him in, in the high-profile venue in the evening. That's obviously what's going to happen. So there is hypocrisy going on here. I just don't think that the students are going to win when they're seeking an injunction. Uh, the There's the legal issue, and then there's uh, – this is really, to me uh – a culture shift and, and a zeitgeist shift that is profoundly disturbing because uh, when you read the rhetoric of a lot of the people who want to shut down conservative speakers coming to campuses, they have so demonized uh, people on the right that they believe that they're actually morally justified that they're that 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 they're literally standing up against Kristallnacht. Uh, that they're standing up against the Nazis. That that their resistance and and protest, including violence, is justified because they feel that conservative speakers are advocating repression and oppression and outright, if you want to, death. That that it, for instance, to oppose uh, abortion rights for women means that you want uh, women to die. And I know it sounds over the top, but that's how people appear to believe and how they justify that uh, that that they have the right, not only a right, but a moral obligation to shut down speakers who they feel are threatening to them. Well, I think that's right. And basically, ever since Election Day in November, what we have seen is this as you say, demonizing people. But it, it, Trump is such a polarizing figure that I think that's just the new normal here. We, we've got kind of a paradigm shift where you know, free speech is out the window. The, the, the person on the other side of the spectrum that you dislike, it, it is morphed from dislike into utter hate. I, I think in a way the Obama administration ushered it in because you remember that Republican congressman who, who yelled out liar during yes. one of the early city. Uh-huh. I mean, that was kind of a shocker. That was sort of a slap in the face to the, gee, can a guy do that? You know, is this, it, it, do we ever hear of this happening in America? Now, there's a lot of rough and tumble in politics, and as you know, throughout American history, you know, some pretty ugly things that have been said and shouted against people that sort of shock us when we think about it. But it seems like in the last couple of terms, we have moved into a situation where people are so firmly on one extreme the other and and Trump, I think, is just going to make it worse because it seems like every week something gets rolled out where you just got utter antagonism between the left and right, Trump and his enemies. And I don't know that there's any light at the end of this tunnel. Well, there certainly isn't going to be any light at the end of the tunnel in the short term. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, uh, Royal, that uh, the new uh, chairman of the DNC appears to have made a strategy. A strategic decision to specifically use obscenity in his uh, in his public pronouncements to drop the S bomb, the F bomb, etc., whatever right. it is, to sort of, I guess, in some uh, way, to send out the message that we're fighters, that we're serious, that we're the resistance, and we're not going to take it, and we're going to, you know, that we're mad, and we're we're mad as hell, and we're not going to take it anymore. But on the other hand, it doesn't seem like much of a political strategy. Well, I think that's a reflection of what's happened in the culture. I remember, remember in the 50s, you know, I love Lucy, they literally could not appear in the same bed. Lucy and Desi had to have the separate beds you know, and have one foot on the floor and so on. So then we, we move a few decades, and 
suddenly, you know, f- folks are using language that's that's a little uh, freer. I was seeing one of these comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, and he had Bill Maher, and he said Bill Maher was proud. Bill Maher said he was proud of the fact that he used the word suck for the first time on The Tonight Show in 1983, and within a few days, Johnny was using it. So now we have a situation where then you go to cable, and it's anything goes. All right, you, you, you choose to bring that into your home, then any kind of language is available. And now the ultimate chapter, I think, that's been written is when you turn it, tune into you know, the Tonight Show, Conan O'Brien, all of the late night shows, the f bombs, any kind of language are being dropped freely, but they use the the bleep button. And, yeah, and everybody knows exactly what they said. You can tell from the context. Sometimes they even let slip in, you know, half of the first letter. So I think that's the culture. So this, the DNC chairman is saying, hey, i got to be hip and with it here. You know, we're, we're in a YouTube situation here. Everybody wants the highlights, and that's just a change in the culture. And some people say it's coarsening. Some people say it's freeing, it's free speech, and so on. But I think that's just the way it is now. All right. As always, RoyalOaks.com. Royal, thanks so much. Always appreciate it. You bet.